All right, welcome in on another episode of the Outside the Lines podcast. Today, we are going to debrief the last game against BYU, the ass-kicking in Utah, and we'll touch on the KU game as well, just because we haven't been able to talk with you guys since then. And of course, we will be previewing the Texas game. It could be for the Big 12 championship, or it could just be Iowa State preventing the Longhorns from getting to the Big 12 championship. Either way, horns down, big game this Saturday, night game at Jack Trice, and of course, you know that we are brought to you by BNC Fieldhouse. Head on over to BNC Fieldhouse for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue, as well as the best place to watch the big game if you are not going to be at jack trice i repeat if you are not going to be at jack trice head on over there you know visit our boy ben enjoy some burgers some beer they always have drink deals going on head on over there on monday we actually have a huge awesome monday night football game chiefs versus eagles where they have five dollar mules and five dollar personal pizzas great spot to watch the game we love ben head on over there and of course without further ado we will get into a little bit of a you know what let's start Good news first, because we want to we want to be positive here. If we can start these episodes off on the right track, then we're going to. So we're going to, you know, lean into our recency bias, talk a little bit about how we absolutely obliterated BYU. I don't really think it was too much of a surprise for anyone, but I would just say this game happened exactly as you want it to. Sometimes you go into these games. Iowa State has a history of making them close and they really shouldn't be that close. And you, you saw exactly what you wanted to out of the Cyclones. I don't have any complaints. It's it's awesome. Sometimes you just need a good old ass kicking just so you can watch a game without, you know, wanting to watch your hair turn gray. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolute butt whooping, uh, you know, up 31 to seven and a half, just a, a rare, comfortable win for the Iowa State Cyclones and for the fans to watch, which I think is, um, you know, the, probably the one we'll have all year because every other game seems to be a, a one-score game. But it was nice to at least uh, be able to breathe easy for the majority of this game once they, they built that nice uh, mm-hmm. first-half lead. You know, I think Abu Sama has officially arrived. Um, eight carries, 110 yards, two touchdowns. Both touchdowns were David Montgomery, Brees Hall-esque. I, you shot the first touchdown where you just juked the guy in a telephone booth. Shades of David Montgomery. Second one where he just outran the entire defense. Shades of Brees Hall. I don't know if he's like the build-your-own-Iowa State football player character between them, but it, it's he's a young guy, you know, the hometown hero that everyone's been cheering for, and he looked awesome. Yes, honestly, I think that's a great comp. Uh, the Montgomery Juke and the the Brees Hall uh, speed down the sideline. Though David Montgomery recently did have a long ass touchdown in the NFL. But that, like, I I'm not sure honestly how he did it <laughs> because normally <laughs> he he gets caught uh, about like 40 yards in. But anyways, he, he yeah, had a no, blocker I, or two in front of him. That I that's think that true. helped. That is true. But he also had a crazy juke where the two guys ran into each other. Oh which, yeah was fantastic um no i mean abu sama was was awesome you know it's it's nice to probably see a breakout the the backfield itself has been incredible you know you could call it a a three-headed monster at this point with Mm -hmm. sanders uh norton and and sama now um the line is obviously did pretty well too to you know allow us to just ground and pound and then uh i think one of my favorite things was on that second sama run that you can see rocco back Pretty close to keeping pace on the sideline. <laughs> so. Dude, he wanted to. He he wanted to be the lead blocker so bad. That 
I mean, talk about shades of old Iowa State players. Brock Purdy had a couple times where he did that. I don't know if he ever ended up being the actual, like, lead blocker in that scenario, but that's the type of fight that you want. I mean, people have been making slight Brock Purdy comparisons to Rocco for a while now, and Rocco's now hewing in on his, what is it, most completions as a fresh, as a true freshman. I, I can't remember, but he he's about to beat one of Brock Purdy's uh, pretty big freshman stats. Do you have it on? On the top of your head? I think it's um, passing touchdowns. I think he's maybe one away right now. I think Brock had 16, and he's at 15 or something like that, I believe. Either, he's going to beat it. However, Brock did have, I think, like three less games because Brock Purdy went off for like five touchdowns in his first start against Oklahoma State. But Rocco's looking good, man. Yeah. I and mean, I said true freshman. He's a red true freshman. Sorry. just want to correct myself. Yeah. So I think, you know um, – yeah, Rocco definitely, you know, love that fight running down the, the sideline. That's something awesome that you want to see. He's, you know, obviously as a quarterback, we'd probably be like, hey, Rocco, maybe don't do that in case, like, someone tried to smoke him because that's always a possibility. And knowing the Big 12 refs, it would just occur and they wouldn't say anything about it. But mm. um, we do love to see that. It's great on the highlight. And then obviously him him kind of keeping pace was was pretty cool too. But, yeah, I mean – this game was, like I said, kind of a fantastic game to watch. Um, I'm going to start really pushing the narrative that Iowa State's running back you, you know, because we've yeah. seen the success of we can do that. of Brees Hall, and who is honestly the best running back in the NFL. He just plays for the Jets, and otherwise, like, if he wasn't facing stack boxes all day and defenses knowing that he's the only person who can make a play on the Jets, um, I think he would be... People are realizing it, but he'd be even more in the conversation. And then Dave Montgomery still been fantastic. Came back from the injury, and him and uh, Gibbs are a two-headed monster there up in Detroit. And yeah, um, and we just got I more just, running backs up the pipeline. We will. And Kenny Nuwangu got a couple carries too. Um, just because we're bouncing around on topics here, you could totally tell the Raiders their only game plan was to stop Brees Hall. <laughs> and I mean, Brees still did pretty damn well against them, but. They just they said, you're going to beat us through Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, make as many uh, no-look passes as you want. You're not beating us. And, I mean, like, like I said, Bree still did a, a great job with just them loading the line against him. But, uh, yeah, the Jets are very one-dimensional. They're pretty, they're pretty easy to, to scheme as a defense. Um, going back to BYU, I was just a little concerned just because I've, I've, we've never been, you know, in that setting. So I didn't know how their home atmosphere was going to be. And there was a viral tweet where the BYU fans were going to the Iowa state visitor section and giving them, I think brownies and ice cream or brownies and something. Dude. I mean, do we love BYU? That's sick. I want to go there now. I mean, I will say I like BYU because they also hate Utah and they're probably the most intolerable new Big 12 team up there with Central Florida on like Twitter and social media. So I will be rooting for BYU in the Holy War moving on. Um, okay. I, I believe that is what it's called. Um, but yeah, I will for I, sure I be know. rooting for them. Uh in that but but yeah i mean i think i think that's really cool uh you know it's it's kind of uh you know i feel like it's a byu thing you know they don't 
drink coffee. They don't honestly have fun. Like they've never drank a Bush Light or, you know, Miller Light or whatever. And so I guess their pleasure in life comes from just eating ice cream constantly, which it's not bad. I love ice cream. So I, I understand that. It was really sad in a way. Like they they were just treating us like kings and queens when we come into their stadium. Uh, it was it was very it was kind of one of those things where you know you're a farmer and the horse has like a broken knee. You're like, hey buddy, come out back. I'm gonna give you some special treats and you know you you take them behind the shed and 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 do the dirty to them. That's, that's kind of what it felt like. You're like, oh man, this this thing that I. I've I've grown to actually appreciate. Like I will say, I like the BYU fan base now. Just and everyone was super nice too. Like they were defending their own actions. People are like, who the hell would do this to the visiting team? And they're like, hey, we're nice people here. And I'm like, you know what? We live in Iowa or we're from Iowa. So I can appreciate some nice people. And I don't think that that was necessarily anything I would do. But from being the perspective that I'm in, I'll take it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it also kind of goes hand in hand with Mormonism because, or being sure. Mormon, I don't think it's Mormonism, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that, you know, they do have to go like door to door and try and get people to convert. So you have to, you have to probably be pretty Dude. friendly to, to do that. Uh, As so a fun. salesman, I respect the hell out of that. The door to door salesman, man, especially selling a religion. Yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah. You're like, hey, would you like to change completely how your life is right now and, and join yeah. this church? <laughs> um, it's so, like, I'm sure you don't have any big opinions on this, so let me change your mind. Or let me yeah. let me give you a strong opinion that you will now have the rest of your life. Good for them, we, man. We see you currently drinking coffee right now. How would you like to not drink that the rest of your life? Yeah. Have you ever thought about you know anything that has to do with lust? Guess what? No more. No more. <laughs> Have you ever wanted a, a sip of that nice ice cold beer? Actually, they probably can have beer if they're 21, right? I feel like no, that's a thing. They can't have. They any can't even like have stimulant. Dude, not even like a single beer. No, I don't. I don't even think they can like smoke cigarettes. Honestly, they can't, they can't have caffeine, sense. dude. They can't have caffeine. Like that's that's because it's so a, no pop. No oh pop. My gosh, dude, I'm learning a lot today. I mean, I guess you could have maybe like caffeine free pop. What about like iced tea? I, tea has caffeine in it. Same thing. It probably has to be decaffeinated. Oh my gosh, dude! Holy just drink shit! Just sleepy time tea all the time because it's dude. no caffeine in it. You know so. that they, they say that I'm, I'm Catholic. Um, you know they say that like Catholicism is one of those religions where like people can just be like the laziest to their own religion as, as they can. I wonder how many lazy Mormons there are out there. Like, I mean, you know, Zach Wilson isn't isn't a practicing Mormon. We, we've heard too many rumors about that. I don't know. I mean, in every religion, there's rule breakers. I don't think I don't know if we have to get into that. But yeah, I don't know why I picked this uh, subject to talk about. Let's move on. Um, so Kansas. Actually, no, let, let's let's say one last sentence about BYU. Say one thing you appreciate about BYU. I'll start. They let us win by um, 32 points. I appreciate that about BYU. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, I don't even know. I, I would agree with that one. They you got made it. it so that we didn't have a heart attack for one game this year. And like people... Since it was so late, it kicked off at 10:15 here on the East Coast. I would just like to throw that out there. Um, people probably look at you. 
got to snooze a little bit if they saw that we were up, you know, that big heading into the fourth quarter. So I appreciate BYU considering the sleep schedules of fans as well. I would say fans. So Jalen Knoll has also broke out. Um, hell of a kick return, had almost 100 yards receiving. Yeah, they, they made us look good. I got a confession, though. I took a nap um, like an hour before the kickoff started. So the entirety of the first quarter, I, I was I was doing the classic like nod, uh, you know. <sighs> bob my head a little bit so i'll i'll raise my hand the first quarter i wasn't as attentive as i wanted to be and then the last three quarters was just like pretty much the easiest watch of my life but let's go to something that wasn't as easy to watch 28 21 jayhawks done the cyclones night game at jack trice i'm just gonna say this new i think i need to ban myself for at the very least the rest of 2023 for any more hot takes when it comes to game predictions because the first one was ohio i said the minus three line on that was the most disrespectful line i've ever seen in iowa state football since i've been a betting man and we got well we didn't get destroyed but we lost we lost that was bad kansas you kind of reeled me back in to be fair i was initially predicting a 10 point win an 8 to 10 point win i think and I landed at, I don't know, like like a seven-point win, Iowa State. Um, you know, I, I just thought it was really in our favor. They were coming off the best win of their program, maybe program history, at least the past couple decades, in beating Oklahoma. It was a night game at Jack Trice, which is where, you know, I would say good teams come to die. And I, I was just, I don't know, man, I was overly ambitious. So I'm putting a strict rule on myself, no more bold score predictions specifically just for the rest of the year then maybe january 1st 2024 i'll be back to my original (laughs) self i think the other thing is when you are like incredibly confident in a game it's a bad sign here because i specifically remember you saying like there's no way we lose this game it's it's homecoming it's at night jack tries kansas is coming off this big you know win They're, they're gonna have a letdown spot and same thing with Ohio is like, we're going to come out and just smoke them. This team's going to be pissed. <laughs> so like anytime that you like immediately start off just saying there's no way we lose. We're going to lose. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Hashtag. So, we will find a way to lose. Yes. Um. So, I mean, we can get into the game. Um. I don't know if you want to start or you want me to give you know, some, some takeaways. I'll just say Jason Bean, another thing I was very wrong at, um, you know, I don't want, I don't want to say I'm entirely wrong. I have a hard time admitting to myself when I am wrong. I thought he was going to be kind of a, the type of QB who just throws the ball up for grabs. And with how many ball Hawks we have out there, we didn't have Jeremiah Cooper. And I think that really showed, I honestly think if we had Cooper, we probably would have won. And Maybe that's just me just trying to validate my previous takes. I really think we would have won if we had Jeremiah Cooper because, you know, you, you saw so many, a lot of their receptions, I believe, were just, they're big plays. They're big plays. But one thing I got to give it to Jason is, you know, if he was throwing the ball inaccurately, he did throw it away from the defense, like quite literally in the spot where only his receiver could get it. His receiver probably wasn't going to get it. But if you're going to be inaccurate, be inaccurate in that direction. But the thing that really impressed me about him he was not checking the ball down. He was not just throwing like two yard flats. Like he was slinging it downfield, you know, 14 of 23, nearly 300 yards. Um, 
he's he shocked me. I'll, I'll be honest. Like he he looked phenomenal. Um, and obviously the he actually had one yard rushing. But I think what was really tough with his legs is just that we couldn't really contain him. And you could tell that we were trying to, um, you know, guard the run while also guarding the pass. And he proved to be a better passer than we were challenging him to be. So I really just got to give it up to Jason. Um, way better yeah. of a performance than I thought he was going to have. And I, I don't, I haven't watched every KU game. I would say it looked like this was easily the, the best he's ever looked that I've seen. And I've seen a handful of Jason Bean games too. So shout out to him. I hate you, but hell of a game. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of, when we previewed it said, we thought Iowa state would try and contain being on the ground. Um, and sh- like, you know, they ideally would want him to beat us as a passer and kind of like what we mentioned. Uh, I do think Jeremiah Cooper not being in was, was a huge, huge issue. Um, yeah. The secondary was, was in shambles. They were specifically targeting fill-ins on the, the back end. Um, I think there's one drive where they threw at the same guy for like three or four straight plays and they were yeah. like 10 to 20 yard gains. And it was like, this is, this is not good. Um, I, I mean, I think the thing that was the most frustrating was when we knew they were going to be passing like scenarios, they had like third and longs. They converted. I I swear to God, I yeah. think they were, were at least 80% on third and longs. I, there was one point like late in the game. I think it was third and four or something. And they had a false start. And I was about to be like, don't accept that. Don't accept these yards. Like, because they might like, if it's a third and three, third and four, they might consider running it, which we did a great job of, of stopping the run game against them. But my God, I swear anything like third and eight or longer, they would just somehow bean would find a hole in the zone or find a dude for 15 yards. It seemed like every time. And I think that was incredibly frustrating because as a defense, you want to get to third and long. That's like optimal. Yeah. And it just felt like there was backbreaking first down pickups after first down pickups um, in this game. So that was, that was hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, you definitely have to tip your hat to, to being on this one. He, he, he played kind of, Iowa state wanted him to beat him through the air. I think that was definitely their mm-hmm. game plan. And he did that and he did. That was that. So. And again, I, I just, I really respect QBs where they're throwing the ball downfield. Like I think, um, you know, you and I have played some amateuristic quarterback uh, and it's just so tempting to throw those dump offs if you don't feel comfortable in yourself. Like the the play where he had, I think it was called back on the goal line where he was scrambling to the left and then pulled it last second um, through a touchdown pass. I think that was even called back because they had an ineligible man downfield. Yeah. And then they, you know, I think two plays later punched it in. They had a lot of chunk yard plays, too. And I think that's what was like so demoralizing. I, I'm checking their third down efficiency. Six for 13. That's not bad at all. Four, one for one on fourth down. So you're right. They they converted more than they didn't. Um, but to me, what was just really tough about it was, I don't know. It, it felt like our defense would just kind of hold them for like, they, they it just felt like they didn't do anything for two plays. And then the third play, they would get 20 yards. Wouldn't yeah. do anything for two plays. Third play, they would get 30 yards. It, it was really frustrating. And, I think, um, you know, if you look at the box scores way closer than you think, you know, they had 361 yards to 333 to Iowa State. 
uh, 74 rushing yards to 75 Iowa State rushing yards. Um, 80 yards of penalties versus 65 yards of Iowa State. The, the game was super close. And, I mean, this is the classic tip your hat to – it's Leipold. I think, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Leipold. I've been screwing up his name for so – if you can end the game with the ball in your hands, that is just, it's the most satisfying way to win on the road. And I think that's what was really um, impressive to me about Kansas. They, I think they had to get two first downs at the end of the game and they yeah. got them. And, and yeah. that was also when we were doing for the most part, a good job shutting down their, you know, running offense. And, you know, they dropped back and had that great little play action pass to seal the game. And there's just nothing more demoralizing than, on your home turf, the opposing team takes a knee. I don't know why. I, I it's uh, it, that's a hard loss to swallow because you don't even have the ability to chuck it for a hail mary. I don't know. I, I hate it when that happens, but that, it just goes to show they, you know, he was a hell of a play caller. I have a ton of respect for Lance Leipold. He's just he's a good coach, man, and he's gonna be there for a long time. It, if Maybe. he doesn't take another <laughs> job, if he doesn't take another job. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think the other thing that was a little frustrating with this game was. It was another one of the Iowa State slow starts. We came out and looked, yeah, played very conservatively. Like it's that has me worried for Texas, which we're gonna get into. Um, I'm not gonna bridge mm-hmm. that yet, but that the the it's almost like they know when they have like a very good opponent they're going against. They're like, well, let's try and beat them by like just running the ball up the middle, and then it takes us getting down for then us having to raise the tempo and and actually like let Rocco do his thing and, and, you know, kind of, I don't know, there's just this next step that it takes. So, I mean, I, I think the other thing that I wanted to bring up with this game was say the step out, the step out. Yep. I knew it. I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> it was so bad. And the thing is, is that it totally changed the momentum of the game. We'd even get points from that. You know, like that is the thing that was so bad about that is that it went from being on the five, but you're guaranteed to get at least a field goal at that point back it, to the it was 31. on the three yard line. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was, you know, extremely close to the goal line. And then we get pushed back to the 30 something. We lose yards. We get in the weird punt kick field goal range. And we decide to punt, which I saw, I think uh, Brett Bloom put out a couple of tweets where we had multiple times in the like, it would have been a, a 52 or 54 yard field goal for Contreras and they decided not to. I think there were two, two opportunities for that, which it's obviously a long field goal. And I think it also depends what the down yardage is to go. But I, I thought that was kind of an, an interesting thing to see because he has been very solid this year. Um, and the last thing, and this, this just was, I thought incredibly annoying, but at the end of the first half, Matt Campbell let when KU was uh, had the ball and Matt Campbell let 40 seconds, like pretty close to 30, 40 seconds left when it was like a, Iowa State can get this ball back with a little bit of time left. And we ended up getting down to the like red zone right right inside the, the 20, I believe. And we didn't have enough time to run some plays where like we lost I think it was like 38 seconds that we could have had if there was a timeout called right away. Mm-hmm. And that goes from you can take multiple shots to the end zone to we had to kick a field goal instead. And, yeah. and that's the kind of stuff that I'm sorry, but it's incredibly hard to watch as a fan. We saw, you know, this team doesn't 
play with tempo at the end of the game sometimes. Like, you know, we saw – who was it? Um, what was the game where we, – we had like an eight-minute drive, but there was no urgency. And then they were, you know, basically lost the game because they didn't pick up the pace at the end of it. Um, that might have been against Iowa, to be honest, uh, at the end of the game. Yeah, it was at the end of the game there that – they were like walking and letting 40 seconds go off the play clock and shit. It's like that, that can't happen. So it, it um, was against Iowa. I, we took a yeah. lot of time off that clock. Yeah. I mean, going back to just the ref show, cause that's a lot of what it was. I, I watched it at a bar on Saturday night. You can't hear the audio when you're at the bar. And then on Monday I rewatched it and I was kind of dumbfounded just how, how bad the refs actually were. I, I think you know, I'll, I'll kind of I'll point the finger at ourselves. I've done this a lot. Iowa State can sometimes be a little dramatic about how bad the refs are screwing us. We also know that the refs do screw us. Uh, no, dude, it was bad. It was really bad. Like, I, I was re-watching it on Monday, and I was getting, like, re-aggravated. I, I'm like, damn, this is way worse than I thought because, you know, when you're watching it at a bar, you can't always hear the audio. You don't even know what the flags are called half the time. And... I don't know. I, I don't even have specific. Obviously, the Jalen Noel stepping out was terrible, terrible. Anthony Beck had a really good take on it. He said, you do not call that because the play is dead no matter what. Mm-hmm. You do not call that unless you're 100 percent sure. At the very least, go back and double check it. Um, you know, you can always overturn it if, if it's the wrong call, but you got to be 100 percent sure. And that's that's obviously the most maddening play. But the entirety of the first quarter just felt like we were just getting kind of hosed. It, I shouldn't say we, because I need to say this as well. Kansas had some terrible calls against them too. It was just, it was a classic. Holy shit, these. Get, I think you mentioned it. They want to steal the show. The refs wanted to steal the show that day and did a really good job of it. Um, sorry, obligatory bitch about the refs for a little bit type of um rant. It, it was it was worse than I thought. Um. It was worse than I thought, but Big 12 refs just suck everywhere. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was an incredible amount of flags. It it felt there was a time when it was almost it felt like every single like like first, second, third, there was at least one flag thrown during that that event sequence of like Mm -hmm. a a play series. And yeah, it was rough. I, I agree with Beck. I mean, like, I think that's the thing that's frustrating, too, is. In all of football, they've been doing, hey, don't blow the whistle because you can always go back and review it. You know, like that's the most common thing in the NFL. You see like it's a college thing where it's like because of replay, we can always go back and see, you know, did the person step out? Did, you know, was this interception good or whatever? Instead of, you know, you immediately blow dead, there's no opportunity for that. And and I think that is just one of those classic, you know, the big 12 like it, it's just frustrating. You're like this person. If if I did my job this poorly, I would not have a job on Monday. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's that's the hard part about it. But speaking of I, of bad refereeing um, and night games in in Iowa State, should we move to the Texas game? Uh, <laughs> we should. I just want to say, dude, refs they need to start making it a thing where at least one ref should talk to the media. They don't have to do a 15 minute press conference. I really think that they do owe like four minutes to the press just just so they can ask like the really pressing questions. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that would go off the rails, especially if you're um 
in a room with a losing team. So maybe that's not a good call, but yeah, let's go to Texas. Um, you ready for this new? That's it. I'm feeling good, baby. Ah. Another night game at Jack Trice against the top 10 team. Number seven in tech. I think they're number seven. I don't know, man. I don't know. I I wish I actually no I don't want your confidence. Whenever I feel good about games, it's it's not a good sign either. Um, because I just I don't have a pulse on this team. I don't know. I'm 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 worried about this game because of the thing that I've previously said. When even when we're going to play Kansas, is that this team is very good at beating up the bad teams. Like we're not yeah. a bad team. But right now we have not been able to like overcome what I would consider a good team. You know, we beat Oklahoma State, but I think we kind of got them before they got in their groove and whatnot. But other than that, it's we've lost to teams where it's like this team's favored against us or this team is like really close to us or higher ranked or whatever. I would, what I would consider good teams like Kansas is a good team. They beat us. They beat Oklahoma. They have a good record. Like they are considered a good team. Texas is the same thing with that. And that's what I'm worried about with this game. Yeah. I think Quinn Ewers being out. I I've, I've said this for multiple years, even before he came into college, I don't understand why he's rated as high as people think. I think you can see the whip on his arm. He's got a hell of an arm, but guess who also had a hell of an arm newt. Spencer Petrus. I'm not comparing those two. You know, Spencer Petrus was disgusting to watch. But I, I do think people are so, you know, quick to fall in love with someone with a big arm and not really look at exactly, you know, how accurate they are, more so their decision making. And Quinn has improved on that from last year to this year. Um, but I think just because someone improves doesn't mean that they're like a stud. And I think that's where the media is like, that's where I disagree with them still. He's always been more overrated than I think. But with that being said, I do think he's better than Malik Murphy. You know, Malik Murphy played in the Kansas state game, um, struggled. I think he had close to 50% completion percentage. Um, and it, it's a, it's a noticeable step down. And honestly, I don't like it. I, I like playing these high profile games against their best players. And, you know, it's looking like Quinn Ewers is going to come back next year. So unfortunately we won't even get a rematch on him. Now I'm saying this out loud. I'm realizing we won't even have a rematch on him. So I am bummed that we're not getting their best, but I think if anything, it does benefit us. Um, really what I'm afraid of, dude, is they're very talented. I think, um, they struggle with, you know, just being disciplined, uh, on really all aspects of the field. I, I think offense, defense, and special teams, I've seen them have blunders. So there is opportunity for us to win. I mean, hell, TCU lost them by a field goal. Uh, K-State is actually really good, but they lost them by a field goal. Like these games, like you see that they've only lost one game and you think, damn, these guys are really damn good, which they are. They're incredibly talented, but I, I don't know. I think there is opportunity for us to compete I think because I've been so terrible on my predictions with Kansas and um, whatever, then I need to uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tempering my expectations, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think the thing that I am most worried about is like, yeah, I think Texas just they always have a ton of talent. And that's that's always been the biggest, you know, like they have a, a ton of talent against anyone they play, to be honest, and especially in the Big 12. But, you know, as Brees Hall said, five-star culture versus five-star players. Um, mm. 
And so I, I am, you know, like, I think this Iowa State team is definitely going to give them a fight. You know, I expect them to show out. But like I said, I'm I'm worried. I, I've previously stated that I get really worried when Iowa State comes slow out of the gates, which we've seen even as recently as the Kansas game. They went conservative right away against a team that they're like, hey, we should try and like limit possessions against them or they might have a better offense than us. And and I really think that is not the way to to go about Texas. I, I would love to see them be aggressive and, you know, not just try and do a bunch of shotgun runs on first and second down and then have third and long and, and have to deal with that. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, so my trick biggest plays. thing is like, I like hey, trick trick play. yeah, trick plays are fine. Like anything to keep that defense on their toes. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is like, there cannot be a, a predictability factor here, um, which Campbell does like to pull out the trick plays against the big dogs. I, I will say, I feel like Oklahoma every year we have like some sort of trick play and, and whatnot. So speaking of Campbell, you think there's any chance we're not going to go black on black? Oh, I think we already are. There's, there's like, it's, <laughs> it's that's like predetermined. Um, I really want them to do the black. Like they need to have the color decal logo. Cause that's the best look with the black on black. It looks so fucking sick. Also, if they just got rid of the block, I state and put a different logo on there. It would also be sick, but there you, you know, go. Um, we've been saying that for years. So needed um, to say it one more time. Of course. Anytime I can mention it to Pollard who believes that us poor shouldn't get beer in the stadium. And he's not had a good, <laughs> Uh, season on, on Twitter. He's been just. He has had a smoked. bad Twitter season. Couldn't go to bat for Farm again, which I know he just like bent over backwards on that. Like he's like, oh, yeah. that's that's probably fine. Like I can guarantee you, he's like, yeah, you know, like whatever. And it's it's like, dude, have a little bit of a backbone on this shit. And then I don't know his reasoning for the Farm again thing too is like, no one buys the tickets for, to the away games directly from the athletic department that we have it's like yeah no shit dude everyone buys a, like tickets from the third party site besides like season tickets so whatever i don't know farmageddon is one thing that i, I i'm i don't want it to get confused here obviously i think it should have been a protected rivalry i said that many times um i'm just not as upset about that as uh, other iowa state fans so i'm not as pissed off about him there but what i'm pissed off about is he's like well we do sell beer in the stadium it's Oh my gosh, why am I blanking on the name? Why am I blank? Oh yeah, he's like, go to suck up. You know, we're like, dude, okay, yeah, we we don't have the money for it. And yeah. I think he also said something like, I really don't hear many Iowa State fans asking for beer. We're like, what the hell? Like, don't gaslight our, don't gaslight yeah, our he's, fan base. He, yeah, he he is the toxic boyfriend, and we're the the emotionally abused uh, girlfriend. This relationship, <laughs> it <laughs> is gaslighting yeah. the shit out of us. Um, all right, well, back to Texas. The one thing that I think will be interesting to see is that Texas has this trend as of late where they get up early and like are smoking their opponents and then they love to let the foot off the gas. So um, I'd like you to take a guess. In Texas's last two games, what has the score been in the fourth quarter? Um, like oh, what, how the, like their score versus their opponent's score versus TCU and Kansas State? Um, I'm just going to guess a point differential between uh, a total of, I don't know, 21 close. They've been outscored 36 to six in the fourth quarter, the last two weeks. Um, Holy shit. Ridiculous. Um, so that being said, if we're down a bit, 
probably not like don't have to get too worried about it. We don't have to sound the sirens. I mean, that's um, Iowa State football, baby. But yeah, I would like to not get down. I would love to actually never be down in this game. That'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> Do you think would, there yeah. might be a repeat? Okay, because I'm I'm gonna throw another offseason story your way that will help the Cyclones a bit here. I think a lot of people, man, do I want to say this? I got called out by a a football player last time I brought this up. Isaiah Lee betting on Texas and then losing that bet by like 30 points. I honestly, I I do think that that, I think that resonates with a lot of the current Iowa State football team because a lot of them were in that locker room when that game happened. Um, I I don't know. I I, I just think a lot of them are like, you know what? This is one of those games where people are going to be doubting us. Night game at Jack Trice again, baby. Um, I don't know if we're going to win by 30 points like we did that, you know, I think it was 2020. But I, I do think there's like a little bit of additional motivation here. Last time we're playing Texas in the conference, um, a senior night, too. We haven't even mentioned that. A senior night, we don't have a ton of seniors this year. Yeah, like but, two people are going to walk. <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless, like there's a there's a lot of contributing motivating factors here that I, I just think um, will allow us to play with a little bit more edge than normal. But going back to your point, like Kansas they still got that hope of not just a Big 12 championship. Like right now, they're kind of a shoe-in unless they lose the next two games. But they have a chance at making the college football playoffs too. And so they have way more to lose than we do. Yeah. I mean, I think a thing that's common with this uh, matchup too is recent Iowa State teams are like not afraid of Texas. We've won no. three of the last four against them. Um, I don't think Texas has won in Jack Tri- – like we've won – three of the last four in Jack Trice, I believe, and they've kind of been blowouts. And yeah, I think, I think these players love playing Texas. I don't know why they show up for Oklahoma, but there's something about Texas that like <clears throat> these guys come to play with it. Um, you know, even last year was a really close game um, in Austin. And yeah, I, I, I'm, I would be shocked if this is not a close game. Um, and I, I'm, I'm excited for how they're going to come out. I, like I said, I'm just worried about the, the slow start a little bit, but, um, and obviously it's like, it's to, it's not even to play spoiler on Texas. Like, yeah, it'd be great. They don't make the college football playoff, but we do have the very, very, very outside shot of, you know, still making the big 12 championship, which the loss of Kansas mm-hmm. really roughed that up. We would have controlled our own destiny if, um, for not for that, but, you know. So should we should we talk about that a little bit the the route to the Big 12 championship because it's not looking good for us but I know that there is a chance I think now correct me if I'm wrong here we have to win out obviously um, don't we need both Okie State and Oklahoma to lose at least one of the next two Yes yeah so Oklahoma State and OU both have to lose I believe um, because of how the tiebreaker standings are. Um, and then we have to beat Texas and be at Kansas State, which is a it's a hard that's definitely a tough slate to go to and know in. Uh, really tough. Obviously, it's possible. The other thing that is also rough is that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both get some pretty big pushover schools. Um, Oklahoma has BYU and TCU left, and Oklahoma State has BYU left, so they're not playing, you know, too. Too tough of opponents there. Um, Who are Oklahoma State's last two? You said BYU and someone else. Houston. Ah, uh, Houston's probably unlikely. 
but B- BYU is not going to happen. It's definitely unlikely too because they just got smoked by UCF, and I would be shocked if Oklahoma State does not show up this week after that. Which yeah. that that loss does not make sense to me. Forty-five to three, um, crazy. It is but, wild. You know what yeah. though? I think TCU has been playing better as the season's been, you know, coming into form a little bit. I don't know if they're going to beat Oklahoma. I don't want to put my money on it, but I do think that that one's not improbable. Yeah. So actually, we don't need both of them to lose. We just need one of them to lose to get in. Oh, okay. Um, we went out. So, um, we yeah, we have. I mean, that's probably the second best spot, besides I think like, was it Texas has to. Um, if the Texas loses, it gets rough. If Texas wins, they also control their own destiny because they they obviously only have one loss right now. Um, in Big Twelve. Well, Texas is like. The most shoe-in, right? Because every – yeah. So it, Well, we Texas have, is the shoe-in, but if they lose, then I think they their tiebreaker gets messed up because they lost to OU. And then – so I think, like, Texas essentially has to win out. Otherwise, if they lose, then because of who their losses would be, whether it's to us or Texas Tech, it makes it so that then they are, like – I think they drop to maybe third or fourth in the tiebreaker because of it. So hmm. – it's a mess. It it is a it, mess. It, I love what it. we are rooting for is we got to win out, and Oklahoma State or OU has to drop one of their games. That's that's the simplest way to explain it. So before we move on from Texas, do I know you saw this? I didn't know this, but um, Texas killed Bevo in 1920. Not not killed him, sacrificed him, barbecued him, ate them. The football team. And then they what? gave part of it to Texas A&M. Did you not see this? Uh-uh. Dude, okay. So in 1920, this is like in the heat of the World War in, in the heat of World War One, uh, Texas was looking at cutting back some finances. And I think back in like 1919, like a year before or something, Texas A&M Aggies, this was their very first Bevo, by the way. So they like weren't super high on this mascot. Texas A&M went to Texas and basically branded Bevo with the score of them beating Texas in 1915, which was like 33 to 10, I think. Anyway, so the the first Bevo had a brand showcasing the score of the Texas A&M Aggies beating the Longhorns in 1915. And then when they were trying to cut back on finances, which was 50 cents a day is what it cost to keep Bevo alive. They're like, hey, that's a lot of money. That's the equivalent to like less than $8 in 2023. But I digress. They're like, yeah, we need to cut finances somewhere. This Bevo menace is is kind of um, a burden on our finances. And also he's a huge longhorn that we're treating as a mascot. So they barbecued him. And here's what they did. This is like the most, you think we're little brother. This is the most little brother thing I've ever heard. They invite the Texas A&M football team to their football banquet at the end of the year. And they serve Bevo to both the Longhorn football team and the Aggie football team. And the side of the cow that was branded 33 to 10 that the Aggies did on him, they serve the Aggies that portion of the cow. So they're like, yeah, <laughs> you guys, you guys quite literally stamp your own name on this cow. Eat our cow. Help us eat our cow. And so that's what that's what happened. And then later on, obviously, they you know grew to like Bevo because I, I don't know, maybe uh, animal rights started to make a come up back in 1930. I don't know, 
But now Bevo's back to being a thing, and now they love Bevo. But th- they didn't always. Do not let them forget that. They sacrificed Bevo, killed him, and literally ate him. People forget about that. Or people don't even know about that. That's that's wild. I bet they probably eat Bevo every time the one's like about to die. You know, it's like we gotta we gotta make sure to get some good stuff. They steak just don't out of it. <laughs> they don't broadcast it like they used to. They probably yeah. do. That's crazy though. Like in the early days at college, they used to just like do shit like that with your rivals. You'd like go kidnap shit and like just kind of do all of this shit. And now it's like you just make so- memes of them and and whatnot and like custom AI stuff of like a tornado destroying a longhorn or something. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where we're at nowadays. Bring back kidnapping Bevo is what I'm trying to say. Um, that but. we we need like another one of our Big Twelve co- like. TCU, kidnap. They would never. We can't do it in names. Tech would do it. Tech it would do it. Tech would do it. Tech would do it. Yeah, they they got some. We can't we can't rely on the Christian schools to do that shit. We cannot. No. Well, um, we can officially move on from Texas and football. You want to do score predictions? Oh, of course we have to do score predictions. I'm gonna go last. Okay. Uh, do we first want to? You want guess line? Have you looked at it? I have not. Ooh, this is fun. I haven't either. I'm. I'm guess. Oh, you haven't. Do you have it in front of you? I will have it in front of me. It's in a hidden tab that okay. I just Google search Texas, Iowa State odds, and then immediately got off of it, so I couldn't read anything. Over under, I'm gonna guess it to be at 52 and a half. Okay. Um, and I think they're favoring Texas by three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. I think your over under is probably pretty spot on. I would say, yeah, I'll go with. 54 and then i think okay. it's texas minus five and a half mm, all right drum roll please the over under is 47 and wow the texas longhorns are seven and a half point favorites whoa get a whole touchdown on this you know texas's defense isn't as good as as people think like they, I mean, yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. Calm down, Mason. Um, actual predictions, actual predictions. (sighs) You want to go first? (laughs) Cause mine, if you want me to go first, I will. So here, here's what I'm battling right now. New I'm trying to temper my expectations from Kansas and Ohio. Like I'm scarred right now. Actually, I don't even know if I'm scarred. I think I have, a band-aid covering my wound. And if I peel back the band-aid and I show you the wound, there'll be a bunch of pus, maybe some <laughs> leftover blood. It doesn't look good right now. Like I'm not even scarred quite yet. I'm very hurt by what happened to me in the past, but I'm going back for it. Okay. I am I'm thinking this is this is just one of those Iowa State games. You know, I feel like we have one a year. This is the one. <laughs> Damn it. I'm I'm back in, baby. I think it'll be um a, like just sneaking by them, Iowa State 28, Texas 26. I don't even know how I landed at that number. How do you even get 26 points? That's a lot of field goals, dude. It's, it's like four uh, field goals. Is it though? It's like, it um, okay, let me do 27, 28, 27. I think it's going to be a very One close score. game. One score. One point. One point. One okay. point. Um, I think. I already hate my prediction. I, I, I'm i going to – you say yours. I'm going to think about mine again. 
I think that this game is going to we're going to be down at half like 17 to 7 or 3 and then we'll make like a a rally a bit get it to like a one score game and then Texas is going to put something on later where it'll be you know like a 27-17 I think Texas is going to win. I know I said that we're going to keep it close. I th- I think it's going to be kept close and like it's going to be competitive. But I I'm just worried about the slow start and I think I don't know if we're going to be able to capitalize on it. like I don't trust our team to have enough urgency at the end of games because we've shown that we yeah. don't have urgency at the end of That's games fair. like oh, we'll just let the play clock run out 40 seconds though. So we maybe have two possessions left this game. Um and we could have maybe three possessions left if we were a little bit quicker with shit. And I'm just worried about that. Plus Texas gets off to hot starts. So yeah, that's my thought. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm not feeling great about this game to be honest. So that's good. I I think we both like it when that happens, when one of us goes out on a limb and we'll see, buddy, we'll see. I'm changing my score by the way to 27, 20, 27, 24, 27, 24. Cause I, I think we're going to lean into uh Contreras a little bit here, but game winning field goal at the end. It's time maybe a game winning field goal at the end, baby run it back. I don't know. I, I think if we, if I had more confidence in the consistency of our passing game, I would feel, I, I would feel more confident in saying this right now. I, it's just kind of one of those weird feelings I got that I probably shouldn't have because I gotten burned on it twice this year, but I don't know. So, sometimes if you lose two in a row, you just got to go for that third. And then if, if you really lose three in a row, then you'd be like, all right, I, I need to quit. I need to quit. So I think we're done with talking football. Um, should we talk some basketball? I'll admit, I haven't watched any of the games. I've just watched all of the highlights. So I can't really, like, say, oh, yeah, their tempo looks phenomenal. Their, <laughs> their defense is very outstanding. Like, I, haven't, I haven't watched any of the games. And I think this is kind of just me. I really have a hard time transitioning to basketball when there's still prime football played. And also, we haven't really played anyone that I, I think really that's care the to biggest watch. One. Yeah. It's hard for me to get up. Plus, like, the times have been rough. It's been, like... And ESPN Plus. Competing. Yeah, ESPN Plus can... We know we know how everyone feels about ESPN Plus. Plus, we also... Um, like, games have been on, on, like... I'm sorry, like, Sunday Night Football or, or whatever. Like, they play... Or during Sunday Slate, they had the one basketball game after the late BYU game. Like, people were hungover and tired and stuff. And they're like, hey, yeah. let's play a basketball game. Um. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's 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 definitely one of those of I'll start ramping it up once the games are at better times and there's maybe slightly better opponents as well. Um, but yeah, um, I so have you, what? No, you you all you you go. I'll 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 give you, know you what? the floor. I will. Thank you. Yeah, That's so sweet yeah. of you. Um, I I don't think this is any surprise. Milan is just incredible. We we knew this going into it. We knew he was going to be outstanding. My whole thought was, I think Omaha is a little bit more of that physical athletic presence. He's going to take a little bit of time to get, you know, to kind of come into his own. And I think you're seeing that people are just hoping he would light up the box score right away. Honestly, if you look at his stats at Waukee, they're, they're outstanding compared to the, the competition he's playing against. But, um, you know, I think more of his thing was just being a shot blocker, just being, 
you know, incredible on the defensive side of things and then making things happen most of the time on offense. But I don't think that's going to transition super quick, um, like immediately into your, your true freshman year. So that's not really a surprise to me. Milan is not a surprise either. I think just this style of play is something that would transition very well to college basketball. And you're seeing that right now. I don't have his stats in front of me, but he's, I don't know. I think he, is he over 50% behind the arc right now? He's shooting lights out. And also the moves he's pulling is very Dirk Nowitzki-esque. Um, have you gotten to watch much Milan or any of his highlights at least? I've seen the highlights. He is shooting uh, over 50% from three right now. Wow. Um, yeah. No, I mean, this team offensively is exciting. You know, we can also say level of competition is what it is. But I really do like, uh, you know, where some of these young guys are at. And I think Milan's been great. It'll be exciting. Like, I've been in the Tame and Lipsy, like, fan club I like since day you one. And, you know, we had we had Brackens on for a basketball recap. And I said, like, Tame and Limsey will be the next great Iowa State point guard. I, I, I like I put my my word behind it. And I also said he was going to develop a jump shot. I said, he I like, I know he's going to work. And he, he is. He knows it. And he's fucking shooting the ball and he's shooting it well. So I'm excited for this. We have been blessed with amazing um point guard play for what seems like forever, you know, yeah. Monte Morris to Halliburton. And I mean, Halliburton's been murdering in the NBA and we just kind of see like, we're like, yeah, we, we kind of expected that. Um, and Lipsy's following in these guys' footsteps right now. And, um, you know, I, I'm excited for, for that as well. And yeah, stay optimistic till the competition increases and go from there. You know, Lipsy has developed a, a jump shot. I, I'm just going to say something that I know a lot of Iowa State fans are thinking, and I'm going to spin zone it into a positive, so just bear with me here. Robert Jones, I think, has sometimes been um, kind of frustrating to watch j- just as far as sometimes you'll get the ball down low and you're not confident that he's going to secure the ball. Um, and sometimes the shot selection down low, it looks a little bit more forced from what I've been seeing. His efficiency has increased dramatically. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're seeing guys that we've been watching for years still improve. And I think that's just a, a very strong nod to coach Otts. Um, you know, he's, he's not just focusing on bringing in new talent and seeing how he can, you know, play these new shiny toys. He's really honing his craft and saying, Hey, you know, I'm not going to let you fall or or just succumb to who you've been as a basketball player. I'm going to always develop you. And let's see, I'm just not pulling up his stats. Um, yeah. 9.3 points per game, uh, four rebounds per game. Where, where was it? Yeah. His field goal percentage, 78.6%. Now, 50% from free throw range. I don't know how many free throws he shot, but I mean... 78% field goal percentage all, without watching the games. I can tell that he, his shot selection is already improved there. Um, again, it's really hard to evaluate it based off the teams we've been playing. Do you know the next big team we play and, and, and when that is? Um, shoot. I was looking at it. I think we play. <sighs> My goodness. Um, <laughs> Uh, 
There's one decent team we played before. I we played DePaul. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, they're good. Um, they're in the Big East. I guess they like our power six. We do play VCU as well. I, I'm not sure the quality of, of VCU this year, but we have VCU and then DePaul before Iowa. And then, yeah, then Iowa. So those will be good, like tester games just to see how we are. And I, I think Iowa competed pretty closely to Creighton. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. Keyshawn Gilbert, though, he's going to be this year's yeah. um, Holmes. Uh, I, he just, I was about from to what I've been seeing, bring just kind up. of that reliable shot maker. Yeah. Maybe not our best player, but um, you know, I, I think he's gonna come to play every. He'll game. be the go-to, like I think, when you kind of need, when like things are getting ruffled, you know, like hey, we're a little stifled right now. His experience yep. and like back in. leadership will hopefully do some things there. I have one quick because I'm you know leader of the Tame and Lipsy fan club here. Yes, you I, are. Um, I would like you to guess how many three pointers he shot and made all of last season. Oh man, shot. Um, all of last season. Jeez. I'm gonna go. He probably shot twenty-one and made I don't know eight. That was very optimistic. I believe over 30, what do we have? 30 plus games. He shot 25 the entire year. Wow. <laughs> so okay. less than one three a game. And he made five of them. Oh, okay. Damn, he's that's already, not great. That's he's not already great. shot seven this year through three Love games. It. And he's already made three of them. So he is well on pace to Look at that hopefully page. break more than five this year. Um, and the percentage is much higher. So well, what we need of him is to pull out the defense. It's not even necessarily to he make every one of them. It ju- it's just to pull, you know, like you spread don't, the you floor. You don't play with odds if you don't play defense. Like that's just simple. Uh, no, so, what I meant is like him pulling the oh, defense pull to out. him. I thought you were saying he's yeah. got to like bring it on the defensive end. No, like, no, one, no, no, no. He already does that. <laughs> and two, yeah, no, he's you don't stud step on the fucking court with odds if you're not going to do that. Your, yes. your ass will immediately go to the bench. Um, and speaking of great defense, we currently now are the number two defense in all of Kempom, which it's like a three. I game think that's pretty good. I don't know exactly how Kempom like goes in his formula because I don't either. It, they're still like really good. Like the formula is working right now. Like it's not like because like, you know, you beat like if you're a scrubby team and you beat like three other scrubby teams, well, like Purdue's at the top and then Houston, Kansas, we are ranked 20th right now. But yeah, it's I I mean last year we had the I believe the the eighth rated Ken Palm defense. So I would expect mm-hmm. it to be right around that range again. It's gonna be an exciting season, man. Um yeah. we're gonna yeah. be excited to have Craig back on. Craig is yes. uh coming with more fire than ever. We will be getting him on here hopefully before the Cyhawk game. Um any more just like I don't know, homekeeping announcements before we Roll clones it out. No, I mean I think we we touched on a lot of stuff. Mentioned some of the the NBA and NFL cyclones too. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think I think we can call an episode unless you got something. Only thing I got is Newt and I have put our schedules together. Um, I think you can expect episodes 
more consistently every Tuesday is, is really going to be the time where we're going to shoot for. So moving forward, check our uh, Spotify, our uh, is Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. Every Tuesday, that's when we should have, you know, game debriefs and ideally game previews. And um, yeah, we're going to have some new new stuff coming for, I would say, the basketball season and, and hopefully the end of football as well. But thank you guys for tuning in. As always, head to BNC Fieldhouse. Head to Jack Trice first. And if you don't have tickets, head to BNC Fieldhouse. Huge game this Saturday. Um, looking forward to it. And without further ado, I think we're done here. Roll clones, baby. Roll clones, baby. Horns down. Horns down. All the way down. It's it's loading. I'm tr- I'm trying to stop recording. Oh, you're good. It's like when the converse you you say goodbye to your friend and then you end up walking the same direction. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, actually, my car is uh, over here too. Yeah. <laughs> then you have All the right. awkward, like, way less intimate goodbye after that. Then you're you're like, like oh, oh, all right, shoot, see you, man. <laughs> what do we talk about for the next 15 seconds while we're just trying to? So what do you what are you eating tonight? All right, roll clones, horns down. Roll clones, horns down.